Students often rely on lists to learn new Chinese characters and words. This can be useful in some situations, but there are also many problems with this approach. Hello and welcome to the Hacking Chinese podcast. In this week's episode, we are going to talk about vocabulary, and more specifically, we're going to talk about learning Chinese characters and words from lists. Lists are nice; they make the world seem more orderly and manageable. And ticking something off a list feels good. And when you work your way through an entire list, you know that you've accomplished something—progress. No wonder then that many students rely on lists when learning Chinese characters and words, and this could be the official HSK lists, or it could be vocabulary lists for your textbook, or just some interesting list you found online, maybe even on Hacking Chinese. But of course, real-world languages are neither manageable nor orderly. So if you think that you can learn a language simply by studying a list, this is mostly an illusion. So in this week's episode, I want to discuss the pros and the cons with using lists to learn Chinese vocabulary. And as we shall see, there are some cases where using a word list might be a good idea, but there are also many cases where it's not. And regardless of how you use word lists, you should be aware of these pros and cons so you can decide for yourself what is best in your situation. So let's start with a few advantages of using vocabulary lists to study Chinese characters and words. So the first advantage is a practical one because lists are easy to find and easy to access. And some of these word lists are very high quality. They might come with audio, with images, explanations, and so on. And creating all of these flashcards on your own would be very time-consuming, even if you had the knowledge to create them. So benefit number two is that lists limit your options and help you focus. And this is what I was referring to earlier when I said that lists can make the language look a bit more manageable. You know that there are thousands and thousands of words, but a list just presents some of them in a meaningful way that you can then work your way through. If you trust the person or the organization that has created the list, you can also rely on their judgment when it comes to what is useful for you to learn, and you don't need to make decisions about everything you come across yourself. Benefit number three is that lists make progress measurable, and this is also something I alluded to earlier when I said that ticking something off is nice and it feels like you're making progress. And this can be a problem when you've studied Chinese for a while and you don't really notice much difference between what you can do now and what you could do last month. But if you're working your way through, say, an HSK list, you know that you're making progress. You can see how the remaining words you have to learn in this list slowly goes down as you learn more, and this feels rather good. And then at the end, when you finish the whole list, you know that you have actually learned something, and that's good. Benefit number four is that if you have lists, especially if you have them in a flashcard app of some kind, reviewing is very convenient. So I normally use Scritter to review vocabulary in Chinese, and I have my decks in there, and that's just another name for a word list, and that makes it very easy to review what I need to review. I just need to open the app and click one button to get started. While I could, of course, review these words and characters in some other way, such as writing myself or reading a lot and things like that, that would take an awful lot of time and wouldn't be as specific or as specialized for the very words that I need to review the most. So the final benefit of using lists is that they are good at collecting related words that can then make it easier to access certain areas of the language. 
So for example, if you're a beginner, it might be nice to have all the colors in one place if you feel that you don't know how to describe what things look like. Or if you want to get into computers in Chinese, maybe switch your phone or your computer's interface to Chinese. Well, then it's nice to have a computer vocabulary list because then you can learn these words in one place and you don't have to go look for every word individually. So I think all the benefits that I've mentioned here are all valid and there are situations where they are rather important. And that means that I don't blame people who use lists to learn Chinese. I use lists all the time. But I do think that most students use lists way too much and do so a little bit uncritically. They don't really consider the pros and cons and rather just go for the pros here, especially the practical ones, meaning that it's easy to get started, you know what you're doing. But they should really consider the downsides of it relying too much on lists as well, which is what we're going to talk about now. So what I'm going to do here in a minute is to take all the advantages we just looked at and see how they can actually be disadvantages if you are not careful. But the main problem with using a list is what I said in the beginning of this episode, namely that languages aren't that simple. So a language is a complex system for communication and thinking that you can reduce that to a list of words in isolation is not wise. So if your Chinese diet consists of mostly HSK vocabulary lists and test preparation, then I think you're missing out on most of the fun and also most of the really useful methods for learning Chinese. So let's look at the advantages again and see how they can actually work against you. So number one, lists are easy to find and easy to access, but how do you know that you've found the right list? Or that the list you've found is suitable for your level or indeed your goals for learning Chinese? Well, most people don't because it's very hard to evaluate something that is on your level. I can go and say, hey, this intermediate list is probably not useful for you, but I couldn't say that when I was an intermediate student because I don't have any way of evaluating the usefulness of the words in the list and the quality of the list in general. One example might be frequency lists. So we all know that learning the most useful or the most common words first is a good idea. And this is something I have mentioned several times and it is very important. But do you know how the vocabulary list that you're using are actually built? Most of them, for example, if you look at standard frequency lists, are based on written Chinese, which means they are mainly using newspapers, novels, and things like that, and not the level of language that you would be after as a beginner. So this means that these lists are typically full of things that are important and common in formal written Chinese, which is typically not what you learn first. Other times it's hard to know the quality of the deck itself. For example, are the translations actually good translations or is it another beginner somewhere who just typed stuff into their flashcard program and then shared it? Well, who knows? So one final example is learning character components. And many people search for radicals and then they want to learn all the radicals because they know that these are the building blocks of characters and so on, even if that is technically not true. Uh, but then you end up with a list with 214 radicals, whereof half actually aren't that useful. I built a list with the 100 most useful ones, and that list is useful, but as a beginner you don't know this, and it's very hard to gauge the usefulness of a list that you find, which is certainly a drawback if you use them blindly. So moving on to number two, lists limit your options and help you focus, that is true, but aren't you just ignoring the problem? 
So in a sense it's good to not have too many choices, because well then you can focus on getting things done instead of agonizing over which choice you should make, but then on the other hand if somebody else makes choices for you and these choices are not good, maybe you are actually better off agonizing a little bit and choose the right thing instead. Also, just because you focus on a list and thereby ignore the complexity of the language, that doesn't make the Chinese language less complex in itself, you're just focusing on a very small aspect of it and kind of pretending that the rest is not there. And even if we do limit the discussion to only vocabulary, even lists such as the HSK lists have lots of words that are actually not there but you might want to learn anyway because they are really common. And this is something we actually have discussed on the podcast before, namely in episode 2, and I'll put a link in the description as well. Moving on to number 3, lists make progress measurable, but are you measuring the right thing? Generally speaking, measurable progress is great for the reasons I've already mentioned earlier in this episode, it makes it feel like you're learning something and you are learning something, it makes that visible, that's great. But when you are measuring something, you also need to make really sure that you're measuring the right thing. You are after all trying to learn Chinese, not just Chinese characters and words, and you're certainly not learning only to work your way through a specific list. This is just meant to be a step along the way, but for many students it ends up being the main activity. Sure, you have memorized a few hundred words, but can you actually use them? Do you know what they mean in different contexts? Can you interpret them correctly depending on what comes before and after them, and things like that? In a way, I think that focusing only on lists would be a little bit like going to the gym to get stronger in order to become better at basketball, but then get stuck in the gym so you only end up doing workouts there and you never really play the game. Or if you want a less extreme analogy with basketball, it would be like practicing certain shots over and over and over and then expect to get really good at the game without ever playing it. Moving on to number 4. Lists are convenient to review, but are you learning the words properly? We already touched on this a little bit, but simply making sure that your flashcard queue is at zero and you are on top of your reviewing and all that doesn't necessarily mean that you're learning the things you'll actually need when using Chinese in the real world. I think most students, including myself, have been through periods where we just recklessly import lots of words from everywhere we can find because we realize there are so many words to learn and the more the better, right? Yes, but in my experience these words are rarely the words that I learn very well, but on the other hand if I look at words that I've learned in context through reading and listening and then added to a flashcard app, these tend to stick much better and I also have a real world connection to a sentence or to some kind of context where I learned this word. Whereas if somebody else just added to a list and I use their list, they are not really my words. Then of course it's also true that you can't cover everything on a flashcard, you can just maybe cover the basic things such as pronunciation, meaning and things like that, but you can't really cover all the nuances of how it's used, its connotations and so on. For that you definitely need to leave your flashcard app. Okay, now we have reached number 5, so lists split the language into manageable chunks, but words don't exist in a vacuum. I've already mentioned this one and I even talked about it before I started going through all these benefits, but the fact is that words are almost never used in isolation and your ability to use and understand Chinese is highly dependent on your ability to deal with words in context, not just the words themselves. But if you focus on lists too much and you focus on isolated pieces of vocabulary too much, you tend to forget this and you practice the wrong thing. 
It should be obvious that piling words randomly on top of each other and hope that they make sense is not a good idea, but then knowing what a flashcard app will tell you about a word is not enough to actually use that word in context. Maybe you can use it in one context if you have an example sentence, but this is simply not enough data for your brain to build an accurate model of how this word is used. To achieve that, you need extensive listening and reading, and this is not something you will find in a vocabulary list. So finally, we have reached number six, which is that lists collect related words, but this also makes them easier to confuse. Having worked with professional development for language teachers for many years now, this is one of the most widespread misunderstandings of how vocabulary acquisition works. So many teachers, and therefore students, think that grouping vocabulary into semantic sets, so this would mean a set that contains words with related meanings. So for example, if you have all the colors or all the sports or all the fruit or whatever you want in one group, this makes them easier to learn. But there is actually plenty of research that shows that the opposite is true. If you learn similar things together, you run a much bigger risk of confusing them with each other later when you're trying to recall them. So if you can, you should never try to learn two new things that are very similar to each other, because there will be interference between these two words. However, this disadvantage does not apply if you are doing this retrospectively, i.e. you have learned some words that have similar meaning, and then you go back and look at them together, that can be very useful, but you shouldn't learn similar things together. So those were six drawbacks of using lists to learn vocabulary in Chinese. And not all of them are absolute, there are ways to navigate around these problems. But like I said earlier, it's important to be aware of these downsides so you can pick the right method for the situation you are in. And of course, my hope is that by discussing these things, more people become aware of some of the potential issues with relying too much on lists. Now, obviously, like I've already said, I use lists all the time to learn things, and I don't think that is something that you should never do. I just think that you need to think a little bit when you do it if this is actually the right approach for you. For example, most people use lists in apps like Scritter to study their textbooks. So they have a textbook, they have a course, or maybe they're working their way through a graded reader, which is a great idea, and then you just use the list as a convenient way of adding the words you've learned somewhere else into your flashcard app. And this is not problematic at all, I do this all the time. What I'm talking mostly about here is using the list itself as a source for learning. I also think that there are some cases where actually learning words from a list can be useful. So for example, if you've reached an intermediate level, it might be a good idea to check a beginner list to see what words you might have missed. So you can do this with a frequency list. So let's say you have learned roughly 3000 words or something like that. Checking the 0 to 1500 range could be a good idea because there might be very useful characters or words that you have missed and those might boost your listening and reading ability in general. Still, these are fairly niche applications and I might discuss them more in an upcoming episode, we'll see about that. But for now, I think it's enough to say that lists are good for learning Chinese in certain situations, but you shouldn't overdo it and it should never be the default solution. You should normally get your words and characters from somewhere else. So before I round this off, I think I should answer that question. If you shouldn't learn vocabulary from lists, where should you learn characters and words from? 
Well, if you don't have enough words to learn, I think you are not reading and listening enough. If you were doing that, you would have lots and lots of words to learn and you wouldn't know which to pick because there were so many of them. So if you're not already investing a lot more time in reading and listening than you do with, say, vocabulary lists and flashcards, then the first step should be to start doing that. For those of you who do listen and read a lot, you will have another problem, namely which word should you learn among all the words you don't know, because there's always words you don't know. And here I think there are two principles you can use. And so the first one is personal relevance. So is this a word that you think you really need? Is it extra useful for you in some way? Then learn it. Otherwise, ignore it for now and it will probably pop up again if it's an important word. And the other principle is to rely on frequency, and I mean frequency in the material that you are listening to and reading. So if a word pops up all the time, it's probably something you should learn. And if you see a character over and over inside of words and you don't know what it means, maybe it's time to learn that one. And if there is a component you see over and over in different characters, but you're not sure what it does there or what it means, well, look that up too and learn it. Basically, you don't need to worry about missing important words, or if you come across something and wonder, well, do I really need to learn this? Maybe it's super important. Well, if it is important, it will come up again. That's kind of what important means. So you don't need to worry about this at all. If something comes up enough, you will learn it, or you can add it to your flashcard app if you want. This is something I have discussed on the podcast before, namely in episode 96, where we talked about which words you should learn and where to find them. And if you want more recommendations for further reading, including a bunch of research papers and books about vocabulary acquisition, I have added a references and further reading section on the written article on hacking Chinese. Thank you for tuning in to the Hacking Chinese podcast. If you like this episode, please share it. More information and inspiration about learning and teaching Chinese can be found at hackingchinese.com. See you in the next episode, and until then, good luck with your studies!